Hi, welcome to Matters of the Heart and Soul. I'm your host, Janie Charlotte. Matters of the Heart and Soul is a podcast to raise awareness and awaken humanity to all that is within. We want to be a beacon of light on your life journey. Hey guys, welcome back to another episode of Matters of the Heart and Soul podcast. This is your girl, Janie Charlo. And coming up, guys, we are talking to the author of the book entitled, Lord, I Don't Want to Die a Christian. Her name is Shandrika Fee, and we had an amazing conversation of just straight honesty, you know, just asking all the questions about Christianity. You know, some of the things we touched on was, you know, how has religion or specifically Christianity oppressed people of color? You know, what is up with in Jesus name? Are we really sinners like newborn babies? Are they sinners? You know, are they born in sin? Are we really born in sin? Um, and, and these questions are just straight out of curiosity. I mean, she touched on some amazing things and this was all based on her book, her journey, um, of her going to China and just, just really coming back and just realizing that Christianity was hindering her experience of God, of life and of humanity. And, um, it it was amazing conversation. I'm just really grateful for her honesty and her vulnerability and just her willingness to chat with us and also just you know having this book because there's many many people on this journey um people are awakening to deeper truths and truths that you know are different than than something they believed before so shandrika just gives us that space to say you know what I was a Christian or, hey, I had that identity. It don't even necessarily have to be anything based on religion. It could be any identity that you held for yourself and saying, I no longer have that identity. So sit back, relax, and check out this next episode. And as always, guys, we appreciate everything. We appreciate your support. Make sure you um, definitely follow Russ and I, your host and co-host on Instagram at nurse practitioner underscore hired and chef Russ seven or just Janie Charlotte and Russell Bruce. All right, guys, check it out. Hey guys, welcome back to Matters of the Heart and Soul podcast. My name is Janie Charlo, your host. Welcome to another episode. So you see here on our screen, uh, Russell Bruce, co-host. Hello, everybody. And we want you guys to be introduced to our wonderful guest today, Ms. Shandrika Fee. She is the author of Lord, I Do Not Want to Die a Christian, which is what our topic is all about today. So we really want to get into her book. We want to ask some really deep questions. And as we know, this podcast is all about going deeper, is getting to the, to the depthness of the heart and soul. So Shandrika was born into a devout religious family. She's the daughter, niece, and grandchild of Christian clergy. She has a bachelor's degree in biblical studies, and she's an ordained reverend. 
Um, her journey to China to teach students forever changed her. And she now believes Christianity hinders her experience of God, life, and humanity. So welcome to the podcast, Shandrika. Thank you for having me. And, and let's, let's just for the sake of listeners, if they want to look the book up, it's Lord, I don't want to die a Christian. I don't want them Googling Lord, I do not and go, I can't find it. Sorry, I added that, you know, being proper and stuff. I don't. I (laughs) I don't. don't. Yeah. So we're really excited to have you here. Um, We just want to dive right in because, you know, it's deep and we just want to get into it. So what exactly happened in China that opened you up and said, I don't want to die a Christian? Great question to start with. And it's it's not what happened in China. It's what didn't happen in China um, that kind of made me uh, start trying to figure out who I was without Christianity. And that's the thing. Um, you know, China is a communist country, so it is not very welcoming of Christianity and, and its growth. So um, in order to stay in the country, in order to be in, impactful, I had to, uh, you know, be mindful of how I presented myself um, in the country, not how I presented myself as a Christian, but how I presented myself as a person. Mm-hmm. I was, I didn't know who I was as a person. I was, I was so busy being a Christian before I left. Now that um, Christianity attracted the wrong attention. I have to figure out how to be in China without being or doing Christianity. So who was I without all of that? Mm, that's good. So without mm-hmm. adding the title, you know, I'm a Christian. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm a Christian. I'm a member of the said church. I am clergy. I have a degree in biblical studies. All of these things that I found identity in. Mm-hmm. The positions I held in church. I was once the pastor of music and arts, um, the, the minister of outreach, praise and worship leader, um, sang in, in, in gospel groups, done backup for gospel recordings. Um, you know, who was I without all of those opportunities and what I call in the book fig leaves you know I didn't know who I was I'm a I'm a pastor's kid I'm a preacher's kid I'm a preacher who was I without all of that just thinking about it is overwhelming you know and I don't even I'm I don't involve myself in that um anymore you know but it none of it mattered there I was ordained while I was there my second year and I remember announcing it to my co-partners um, in, in, uh, in education. And, you know, most of them were or are from Western Christian culture. And I remember saying to them, so I got ordained, y'all. My mom received my ordination in the States. And they was like, oh, oh that's awesome. Next. Yeah. Yeah. Like, it just was not a big deal. Yeah. I just got off the phone with my mentor a few minutes ago who told me that she went to a pastoral installation. It was three hours and some change long. Mm-hmm. In China, it didn't mean nothing. I said yeah. I got ordained and they was like, and? Do you think if you had not gone to China, you would still- I'd be in a three hour installation service tonight. 
Wow. <laughs> I would have gone with her. I told yeah. her, I said, if you told me that you would have paid my week's salary, if I went with you to set for three hours, I'd have told you, no, tell me how it was. I'm going to work. Yeah. So mm-hmm. let's, let's dive into it. Mm-hmm. So we all know it is the belief of Christianity mm-hmm. that Jesus died for our sins. Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. Now in your new perspective, mm-hmm. are we, mm-hmm. all of us, humanity, are we sinners? Like is a, a newborn baby born a sinner? That's a great question. Um, you know, Christianity teaches what David wrote. David is uh, believed to be the writer of the book of Psalm. David says of himself that he was born in sin, shaped in iniquity. And Christianity teaches, teaches that. They back that up, especially because it's in the Bible. Most anything in the Bible is backed up by Christianity, mm-hmm. even if Christianity's not doing it. You know, if Chris, even if Christianity is not doing a lot of what's in the book, um, they the book is Christianity's authority. So, you know, David is saying that he was born uh, in offense and or maybe born as a result of offense. And he was also shaped in iniquity, um, you know. The word sin is not used until Adam, um, until uh, Cain and Abel um, were born. And Cain is is upset about Abel's offering to to God. Now, this is the narrative that Christianity teaches as a part of its authority in the Bible. When, you know, when Adam and Eve ate of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, the word sin or offense is not used. So, uh, you know, what I ask in my book is who was offended? Mm-hmm. So if, if, if the instruction not to eat of the tree of good and evil was given by God and the word sin or God never, Moses never writes that God was offended, then was God offended? Mm-hmm. Did we inherit? So if, if, if God wasn't offended, that means we did not inherit, as, as, as Christianity teaches, we did not inherit said offense mm-hmm. if God was offended. So if we take away the thought that God was offended, then what do we do with sin? Mm-hmm. And I love it because Shandrika's book is all about questioning. She's questioning yes, herself. She's yes. she's on a journey through China and it's, it's some journal entries and she's questioning all these things. And she read the entire Bible, the book, mm-hmm. while mm-hmm. trying to figure this all out for herself. Right. And I admire the fact that you was like, okay, I, I got to figure this out. So I do admire that. Um, and it brings me back to the Bible, um, something in the book about, all these are just experiences of other people. Like the Bible is all experiences of God, of other people. And we have That's to right. experience God for ourselves. That's right. That's right. And, and, and listen, you know, we, we are having life experiences and we're doing our best to interpret them. To, to, 
to call the experience divine is personal. Mm-hmm. And just because you say it's divine, that don't mean it is. But but as Tabitha Brown would say, but that's your business. Mm-hmm. So so because the life and our experience of it is personal, it is left to us to interpret that experience. They did that. Remember, the Bible did not exist when Moses did, when Abraham did, when Adam did, when Enoch did, lived. When these folks were were living, when they existed, the Bible did not. So they were having experiences of life and calling it God, some parts of it. You know, they were having, somebody said that they were told to go and kill a whole city. That God said, Mm -hmm. go kill a whole city, including the mothers and their children. So it's, it's left up, you know, I think I write about this, or maybe I don't, maybe I talk about it, you know, we'll accept that as a, as a part of, of, of divinity. We'll accept that God is telling people to kill people while we accept also thou shall not kill mm-hmm. while we not accept David Koresh gathering a bunch of people into a compound and then setting it on fire, calling it God. Mm-hmm. We don't accept that. You know what I'm saying? And so what's the difference? What's the difference? So, you know, there, there are a couple of things. We, we are experiencing life. We are left. It is our, and that, that experience is personal. And it is up to us to interpret that. And as a result of your interpretation, you will experience the, the consequence of said interpretation. And by consequence, I mean sequence of events. So whatever ter- and whatever your resolve is about the experience you're having, that is a seed mm-hmm. that grows, and you and then you know whatever the result of that resolve is as as um, as you have interpreted it, you know that that will be what your experience or that will be what you continue to experience. Mm-hmm. So if my for example, the best way I could do this is provide an example. If if my it you know, if I'm experiencing rain, you know, in the moment and, and I decide, you know, that it's, I don't know, dangerous, then as a result of that, I miss the the washing of it all. The, the beauty of enjoying nature. I, I saw that a pastor was, was afraid of rain. He would, I mean, a, and y'all probably know this pastor. He posted this a couple of weeks ago. Never I didn't see got, it. got kids have children and has never experienced being in the rain. He's been afraid of it for years. Yeah. And so that resolve creates a sequence of events. Yeah. Like I better stay inside. I can't go outside and swim. I can't. So it's up to us again to, to have experience of life. That experience is personal and you have to interpret it. And whatever that interpretation is, whatever the resolve is of that interpretation leads to a sequence of events. Yeah. 
I totally think life is about experience and you have to experience that for yourself. So my, what I call a God experience or what I call divine could Mm -hmm. totally be different what you experience. And my experience is no less. Mm -hmm. Um, So I think it's important to keep in mind that when you are reading the Bible, these Mm -hmm. are experiences of other people and that there is, and you mentioned in your book that you knew that there would be an experience that God has specifically for you yes. so that you would know this is God at right. work in my life. And I right. think that we all have that. We will all have that experience that beyond the shadow of any doubt, this is God. Well, and that's only if you desire it. That's true. <laughs> you know, that's true. That's, that's only exactly if you true. desire it. There yeah. are people who don't believe in God, you know, or people who, who, who believe that life is happening through them as them. And, and there is nothing beyond them, mm-hmm. you know, um, that they only exist as flesh, you know, what do happy. you believe now? What, what, are, what is your belief? I believe God is an idea, you know, um, but, but I give my energy to that idea. You know, and my energy, you know, uh, um, interacting, if you will, with the idea of a book created an experience. Mm-hmm. So my energy interacting with the idea of a God, of, of something bigger and greater than me, mm-hmm. creates an experience. Now, I'm not, I'm not saying that that we are not having divine experiences, but somebody decided, you know, that, let let me say it this way, Adam and Eve, as far as the King James version of the Bible and many versions of the Bible, Adam and Eve did not write their story. (laughs) Moses wrote a story about Adam and Eve. So we don't know their experience of life. We don't know their experience of divinity, of their divine self, if they felt like they were divine. We don't even know if they knew they had been created in the image and likeness of God as we read. Mm -hmm. We don't read where they were told that. So, So that leaves me space to wonder if the world was created the way Moses writes. He was not there. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, and I think I he think... comes. He comes decades later. Yeah. So that leaves that gives me and to and by wonder I mean it gives me the the kind of wonder that creates curiosity, the awe, you know, of how all of this came together. Yeah. Idea. You, you understand what I'm saying? So, yeah. So so God being an idea that there's something somewhere or somebody that has created all of this and keeps it all working. I give my energy to that and, and giving my energy to that idea creates an experience for me that I like. I totally get that. And let me, let me, let me ask, let me ask a question here. So when you went to China, right? So looking at religion, I always say religion is a deification of a culture. So people tend to 
take a religious philosophy that represents their people, their deity normally looks like them, et cetera, et cetera. So what were some of the fundamental differences that you've seen in China? Like, were there Christian, were there Chinese Christians in China that you interacted with? And if they were, what were some of the fundamental differences in the way that they worshipped or seen Christianity versus how they see it here in the States? That's a great question. Um, I didn't interact with any because it's the, the assumption from the Chinese government is that anyone from Western culture is, is Christian. And you can, you can claim to be atheist all you want to. But if you are from a Western culture, country, that the assumption is that you're Christian. And so what they decide to do is keep an eye on you um, because you may be there to perhaps start an underground Christian church. So the only, it was, I guess I would say it would behoove us all, Chinese Christians and American Western Christians to keep space between us. Nobody ever introduced themselves to me from, from China, introduced themselves to me as a Christian. Now, that never happened. Did I go there to make Christians? Yes, I spent two years doing that with uh, Chinese freshman college students. Um, but as far as I know, they weren't Christians when I met them and they would never introduce themselves that way. I was followed by the police. I was followed to the grocery store. They checked my trash cans. They checked my, they tapped my phone. They checked my email. So the best thing to do would be not to introduce yourself as, hi, I'm a Chinese Christian. No, it's just, my name is, you know, and, and often it would be an English name. Um, but I was followed to the store, I guess, because they thought I was going to go perhaps to an underground Christian church. So no, that never happened. Now I can tell you that there is something there called the three self church. Um, and in my opinion, it's, it's there to, to spy on the growth of Christianity. It's to kind of draw, draw the underground Christian church in China out to perhaps, you know, lead um, the government back to um, where Christians are gathering in secret. So they have cameras in the, in the sanctuary area. They monitor how you speak, what you say. We couldn't talk about the Holy Spirit. Um, we, we had something called power hour and we would go, um, every Sunday. And that was basically to introduce, uh, our students to the gospel, but there were certain parts of Christianity we couldn't talk about. Mm -hmm. So they would tell our students to kind of walk with us back to campus. And if they had any questions, they could talk to us about it. Mm -hmm. In the book, you mentioned that the whole, I think the first year you were there, you had never heard anybody say anything about a devil, which Girl. was so different, you know, coming yes. from your Christian background. Mm -hmm. Can you just elaborate on that a little bit? You know, it, it wasn't, I was, I was prepared to go to China and experience culture shock. I was told we, we literally spent a day and a half preparing to, for culture shock before we left San Diego um, to go to China. And, and I didn't experience it. I didn't experience culture shock. I had never been out of the country, didn't own a passport before this opportunity to go to China. And so um, 
I was, you know, nervous. I had a little anxiety about, you know, the experience of culture shock, separation and isolation and depression. And I never experienced any of that. I experienced culture shock when I came back to the States and went back to church. Mm -hmm. Two Mm -hmm. places I experienced culture shock, Walmart and church. So what happened in Walmart? Girl, it was just too bright. It was, everything was so bright and there were so many choices. I'll never forget looking at the yogurt section and seeing all, all of a sudden my senses were so heightened mm-hmm. and all of the colors on the tops of the yogurts. It was just like, oh. yeah. <laughs> just, it was, I was having a, a moment and it was overwhelming. So I, I had to just go home. I couldn't, I couldn't even choose the yogurt, just go away. Wow. So um, that, and then going to church, I went to church after my first year there um, in China and I heard about the devil. I heard the tithe envelopes. I actually heard them being passed out or being gathered. And I and, and it was on the first Sunday, there was communion. And to realize that I hadn't thought about those things, never mind not taking or participating in it. it. I had been gone a year, just a year. And what I had done and been a part of and been exposed to from birth till my late 30s, I had forgotten about in one year. How is that possible? So in that moment, was that like, I can't do this anymore? I no. can't. I just, I just thought something's wrong with me and I got to figure it out. So that's what inspired me to go when I went back to China to spend those two and a half months reading my Bible from, from Genesis to Revelation. Mm-hmm. Because I thought I knew that I had had the best year of my adult life, especially when it came to provision. How am I experiencing this this miraculous year of 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 culture and provision and just it was just incredible. But I hadn't tithed. Mm-hmm. Wait a minute, you know, nobody had knocked on my door and said it was first Sunday, literally during the uh, winter months, we would lose track of the days of the week so much that it made us go back and figure out or research where they came from, the names of them. So this whole experience is causing us to be curious and ask mm-hmm. questions of, you know, things that have been structured in our lives they were, they didn't matter anymore. Mm-hmm. I literally, we, we were so impacted by our experience. We thought to get a, an apartment building in uh, California and everybody just move in because for us, it was, it was the closest as, as you could get to quote unquote heaven. Mm-hmm. You know, it was community it was figuring out how to get along with people despite believing things that were or believing in uh, different uh, things about God. And there were different denominations. There was Jews and Baptists and Blacks and whites and Philippines. And we all traveled together. We ate together. You know, that became communion for me. So prior to that experience, were you just really, um, I guess, just really in your own denomination, not really venturing out, or you just Absolutely. really structured in Absolutely. your rituals and yes. like just. Absolutely. I, I grew up, I was born into Christianity. I was born into the black church. 
and then the subculture called Pentecostal Black Church. Hmm. That's all I knew. And so I went from the only things that changed was the names of the church, but it was still Black Pentecostal. It was Church of God in Christ. Then I went to Apostolic. Then I went to non-denominational, which was led by an apostolic, um, moved to Georgia and stayed with non-denominational who still they still are apostolic. They baptize in Jesus name. Um, And I left there and went to China. My life was ministry. It was church. Mm -hmm. I literally graduated from high school, not knowing what to do with my life because all we did was church. Mm. So my mama packed up my bags when I didn't know what to do and sent me up to Oral Roberts University because I didn't know what else to do with my life. Mm. None of, I have three younger sisters. None of us did. Wow. We did not know what, what we were going to do. We had no idea. Yeah. So our, our lives were just church. That's, that was all I was planning to do and be. Wow. Let me ask, let me ask a question here. Mm-hmm. I'd like to know how deep down a rabbit hole did you really go when you were starting to question, you know, all of this? Like, for example, I, I grew up in a Baptist church, went to a Presbyterian college. So I, I got beat up with the Bible growing up. But at a, at a certain point in time, I'd start studying because something didn't feel right. You know, one, the ethnicity of Jesus in a black church. I couldn't get past that. My little black self couldn't find out where I fit into all this. If this is the son of God and he's white and that means God's a white man. And where does mm-hmm. that my little black self? Mm-hmm. But um, I start reading things like the Council of Nicaea, seeing where, you know, you, you, you talk to most Christians, they talk about, you know, it was about the debate of the divinity of Jesus. But then when you start really studying, like the letter J didn't exist in, so then you find out, well, okay, Yeshua existed, but then you started studying even further back, you know, when Ptolemy got consecrated as a God in Egypt, and the Serapis character was there. And you hear how Arius shows up at the Council of Nicaea to say, hey, you know, th- this is something that was fabricated by the Greeks. You know, so I'm really trying to figure this all out. Did right. you dig into what actually happened at the Council of Nicaea? Why, why did the Sabbath switch from Saturday to Sunday? You know, it was Jesus just a prophet. Was Jesus Yeshua, you know, questions like how deep did you go into that? Can you speak on any of that? I know about it, but the I would say the reason I didn't go that deep is because I, I believe they were all trying to figure it out. So if I if I go when I say we, I mean them. So who, all these names that you just named, they were trying to figure it out, too. Nobody has um the the corner on how all of this works especially because a lot of what we're reading is not told by the person Jesus didn't write his own book (laughs) you know what I mean so John said he said Mark said he said you know we're reading in third person um you know so to me I felt like I could stop because I I understand or have come to accept that 
I said this the other night, I hope I wrote it down, but you know, all of these denominations and religions are really a reflection of their questions. Right. We, we all have them and they're not going away. No. So when I accepted that, that no matter how far I read back, my questions are not going away. I can start reading. Mm-hmm. Right. And then e- even that is like the lost books of the Bible, like the people who were there, like Mary Magdalene, Thomas, right. all these people, these books got omitted at the council. But, but, but they, they, they were, oh, they were omitted. They aren't lost. Right. And they aren't, they and, and they aren't books of the Bible. So these folks were writing books. They weren't writing books of the Bible. But were the books in the Bible books of the Bible? Because <laughs> see, the thing is, I, until the printing press was created, there was no Bible. That was the 1700s. Right, right. But <laughs> so I, it's like, were the books in the Bible considered books of the Bible? Or, you know, because it's really just a whole bunch of different ancient manuscripts that were found that were kind of... But they were they were considered they were considered books of the Bible by the people who put the Bible together. Exactly. Right. But but that but that is the point, though. Right. Who are y'all? I don't know these people. Exactly. When I when I started trying to literally when I finished reading the Bible, a few things happened. One of the things um, I was inspired to do was then research. uh, And this is what's funny is I had my degree in biblical studies before I left to go to China and had never read the Bible fully. Second, I had never researched the history of the book, having a degree in biblical studies. I don't know. Is that not a part of getting a degree in biblical studies, reading the Bible? (laughs) I don't know. But two things I learned. The word Bible means book. Shut up. How about holy? How about that there's no definition for holy Bible? There's only a definition for Bible. Well, they, they say that holy comes from the word, the Greek word helios, meaning the book of the sun. Holy Bible means the book of the sun in the sky. Oh. And it dealing with the sun traveling with its 12 companions. I've never, I've yeah. never heard that. And I literally have Googled holy Bible definition and have not ever seen any definition come up. Now, maybe a history or, or perhaps why, but a literal definition, I've never seen a definition come up. Check, that, the Greek, check the Greek version. Okay. So, you know, but the other thing I, I learned, what I, the other thing I did was study the history of it, or I started to, and I got sick, mm. literally sick to my stomach mm. because it was too many hands on it. Mm-hmm. And I in your, know. in your book, you mentioned, and I liked it because you said theology is a study of God, but Christianity is the studies of the studies of God. So other right. people's experiences. And I was like, I never knew that. That is just a bunch of studies of, of stu- other experiences. So, so what I said was, is I said, theology is the study of God. And then I said, Christianity studies, studies of God. Mm-hmm. So, so if the Bible is what they say it is. And I, I wrote this way on purpose. If the Bible is quote unquote, the word of God, and we're, we're reading that we're reading their studies of God. So we're reading Paul's study. We're reading Abraham's study. We're reading Moses's study, all the Jeremiah's study, it, David's study. 
They study. So, and I listen, I ain't tripping. Keep studying the studies of God. That's fine. But when I ask you what your theology is, don't tell me what scriptures say. Mm-hmm. What is your study? Mm-hmm. How does Christianity hinder people of color? This is for both of you guys. I'll let, I'll let Russell ask, answer. <laughs> <laughs> Put me on the spot, right? <laughs> so once again, I'll go back to when I said that religion is a deification of a culture. Mm-hmm. And, and I look at our sojourn as, say, quote unquote, African-American people here who came through the Middle Passage, right? And, you know, going back, a quote by the late Kwame Nkrumah, who was a prime minister, I think of Ghana, back when he was alive. He had a quote. He said, when the European missionaries came into Africa, they had the Bible, we had the land. We knelt down and we prayed. And when we got up, we had the Bible, they had the land. Mm. So, and, and here we are in America. We came, we weren't Christians when we came over here. The majority of them were practicing a lot of the ancient uh, African traditions like Yoruba, some of the more ancient Vudan. Uh, there were a lot who were Muslims because in the ninth century, the Arabs had, had their conquest and you know, enslaved and forced a lot of Africans to to convert to Islam. So we were forced into Christianity here in America. It's not like everybody, how they say, everybody's saying they had their personal relationship. Mm-hmm. They're really following tradition, which their, their religion speaks against. Jesus was against following the tradition. Mm-hmm. And and as African-American people, we follow the tradition. We, we get up, we, we go to church on Easter Sunday, we, we, we practice Christmas. We practice all of these holidays that had nothing to do with Jesus and more to do with pagan tradition. Because at the Council of Nicaea, Constantine had more of an affiliation with sun cults, sun worship cults. And that's when the Sabbath switched from Saturday to Sunday. Uh, All these holidays like Easter, Christmas, all this stuff came into play. And we as African-American people are here in this society following the tradition of Europeans. We're not following the traditions of our forefathers. And when we, we really study our history, like, I personally, because I felt I was whitewashed, you know, with my upbringing and I went to all white college that was Presbyterian college. And when I left, I was just confused and lost and it forced me into a deep study. And I I just had a lot of questions and just just like you. And I've reached this personal space where I realized that we are all spiritual beings having a temporary physical experience we call life and regardless of what religion i think a person practice practices i believe that they can find their way back to god like me studying history i always say i love the quote when i was searching for myself i found god and when i was searching for god i found myself because mm-hmm. i felt god is within me not something out there mm-hmm. and that's that energy that you spoke of 
Some people say source, some people say whatever religious persuasion they are, whether it's Quetzalcoatl or Buddha or Allah, you know, or Jesus, I let them do them, but I know what works for me. But I think back to your point, Janie, um, I think that not only Christianity, I think most organized religions do a disservice to our people. Mm-hmm. I think it has most of us locked down because instead of us thinking and researching for ourselves, we're given a set of ideas that we never challenge. Well, I want to talk about, and you mentioned this in your book too, Chandrika, about the fear. Like, is um, you know, we speak of fearing God, but if 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 God is love, how, why? What are we fearing? What are we fearing? Mm-hmm. Um, and it's just like just the things that just don't add up, you know, even Jesus, Jesus never spoke of religion, Christianity, just love, unconditional love. So for me, which I've I've never been indoctrinated, I never grew up just like, you have to do this stuff. And I'm so grateful for Mm -hmm. that, because I was able to form, you know, my own opinion from my experiences of things along my journey. And so I never had to go back and unlearn, Mm -hmm. unlearn Mm -hmm. things that were drilled into me, beliefs and patterns, because sometimes you have to unlearn, you know, awakening is unlearning things that were instilled in you that was never yours. Like you said, you were born into Christianity. Right. Right. born there yeah. so I just I just it's some of those things that really I think hinders us um as a body of humanity but also definitely as people of color because we we stay stuck in fear mm-hmm. and fear paralyzes you it paralyzes you from doing so much and uh you know I think we've had the conversation about are people going to church out of love or fear? Fear mm-hmm. that you're going to be looked at as a sinner or fear that, you know, you got to pay your tithes or fear that, you know, whatever it is, you won't get your pastoral certificate, whatever it is. You're not going to have enough credit hours to go to heaven. Yeah, that. <laughs> Uh-oh. Uh-oh. <laughs> you know, so I just, I'm just thinking about the fear that has hindered us as people of color. hmm and we have been in fear for a long time. And I just think we have to start pulling back those layers and unlearning things that was never meant for us to learn. And not being afraid to unlearn those things. You know, for me, I remember after coming back, I remember sharing with, uh, with uh, uh, my um, first mentor, I am jumping off the cliff of religion and I'm going to watch God catch me um, only to to learn that I had always been caught with it yep. and, and never had to do anything, you know, to, to, to be kept, to be held, to feel safe. Um, I never had to do anything, you know, it just was, um, it just was a part of my reality. Yeah. And, and so, but it takes courage, you know, it takes courage to press oh, in. Yeah, it takes courage to press into that. Um, it also takes, um, you know, the other thing that we fear is being alone because we are um, the minority in this community as it relates to, um, you know, 
seeking or believing there's got to be more than what we've been taught. Mm-hmm. So you have to willing to be alone. Mm-hmm. Literally, y'all are the second people I've spoken to today. What is today? Sunday. Yeah, <laughs> it is. I, I can every Sunday, if I want to, I can not open my mouth to speak all day if I don't want to. Everybody at church. Mm-hmm. You know, so you have to be okay with that, though. Mm-hmm. You're right. The, the wisdom that comes out of it is extraordinary. The oh. stuff that I say, I'm like, oh, that's good. <laughs> you know, like, wow, where did that come from? Yeah. And you know, and you know something? And what you said, it was right on point. And, and I really commend your bravery for, for writing the book and putting it out there and being willing to speak openly about it. Um, gosh, I forgot what thought I was trying to say something. I'll come back to about it. It takes courage and you have to be willing to be alone. Da, 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 da. Yeah. Gosh, I was like, okay. Yeah. So I, I'll say this on that. Cause one of the things, a lot of times people will say, okay, well, if that's not true, then what do I replace it with? And I think that's where a lot of people are afraid. They feel that they have to replace all those beliefs and stories with something else instead of really really just digging in and just keep going and going it's a very lonely road and mm-hmm. that's why Janie and I are so close we we become best friends and like everything to each other because it's like everybody they probably think we're weird like we they look like we just got off a spaceship if you start talking about these things because it's mm-hmm. it's very foreign to them Mm-hmm. but one thing okay now I remember what I was going to say the whole bravery part of it is if I go out of here and I study all this stuff and I research and I turn over rocks trying to find the truth and it brought me back that all this stuff is true right I'm cool with that I would accept it mm-hmm. but it hasn't brought me nowhere right. near that right but yeah. if it did bring me back there I'm willing to accept it but it doesn't look like it's bringing me anywhere near. Right. You know, one of the, one of the things, one of the experiences I've had is I've given, I've been able to give freedom, if you will, because the the name of the book fully is Lord, I don't want to die a Christian, my journal and journey to freedom. It really has been my journey to authenticity. I'm really finding my authentic self um, and that it exists and, and coming to believe and, and trying to figure out if I can somehow prove it with scripture to Christians that this is what has always been the, the desire of divinity is for me to find and express my, my authentic self. You know, I keep, I think about uh, Jesus saying to the multitude, you are the light of the world and in in a city can that can't be hid but you know maybe trying to figure out what about light is authentic you know what I mean like but I'm still I have questions about it but just that's where this journey is leading me to me and you know what I mean me as I heard someone say a couple weeks ago and it, it drives me nuts every time I hear it Jesus was fully fully human and fully divine. Jesus was fully human and fully God. What do you think we are? 
Mm-hmm. You, you know, and they, well, I, I, I it, and the contradiction, you know, yeah. and the next minute it's, 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 I think there's yeah. such contradiction in the, sometimes in the same sermons. So let, let me say this, why she, she's made a great comment, right? So, and, and when that conversation comes up in scripture, Jesus says, isn't it true that you're all God's right. children of the most high? Said, Doesn't your law say that? Exactly. And he also said that we would do greater things than he did. I wrote about that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I think like Russell said, and really what you said, you guys are saying the same thing. You said it's, it's bringing me to my authentic self. Yes. So is when I searched for God, I found myself. Yes. So you are on that journey of who am I authentically? And when right. I asked, when my journey took off, when I said, who am I? Who am I without my titles? Who am I without all these labels? Who am I? Yes. And the universe began to answer. And I came to love. I am unconditional love. And I can allow that to run through me, that energy, um, and be that. And and like you said, I don't have to go out and do things because I'm already it. I am already love. I just have to be Be it. So I always say I am an expression. I am an expression of love. Yes. You know, so I, I say the same thing, but it took me taking off all of these titles and layers. That's yeah. what this book is about. It's about asking the questions to get through, to find, you know, yes. like feel like I'm going through a cornfield. Yes. yes. And my journey is not over. I'm still finding, you know, and asking myself questions of, of the things that, that Christianity taught me. I'm not, I'm, I don't know if I'm as far as y'all, but I'm just being uh, open and honest and want people to have some sort of reference. Yes. Um, that I've had the same questions with all of my education, with all of my ministry experience, with all of my certifications, I still have questions. Yeah, I honestly, I, it is it is commendable because I do know that there are people, there are pastors that know the truth. Yeah. But cannot be honest because of what that title is already for them or what right. church they represent or how much members they have. Because it's true when when you come to that that questioning you have to let go of what no longer serves as the truth. Right. You. And And that's brave. I would say, I would say there are pastors who have questions, Mm -hmm. who aren't confident in the things that they're preaching, Mm -hmm. who, who, who don't like that. They don't have their own theology, if you will. And they continue to, to tickle the fancy and, uh, you know, fan the emotions of us um, because it's all we need is a good tune-up you know we need a good hold the ear and and oh lord 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 yeah, lord. yeah. You know? and and we holler and then we good until we walk <laughs> outside and our problems are still there right i heard a I heard a pastor say one time he you know he had i heard the story of a pastor who um was fussing about the congregation you know not really um 
being present when, you know, there's some kind of delivery. And he said, you know, we could be preaching about cheeseburgers and y'all be hollering. <laughs> you know, he's fussing about it. He gets, he That's gets true. to where he's finally tuned up. And he tunes up and starts saying, oh, cheeseburger, cheeseburger. And the people were screaming. And he said, stop it. so true. He said, stop it. I'm saying cheeseburger. And y'all screaming at him. When they get that music going, that could be, oh, Mickey Mouse, oh, Mickey Mouse. And folks but would be see, falling out, foaming at the mouth. Because music is powerful. It's a right. vibration. It's right, a vibration. Right. And that's all that. And that's not, I don't want to make it seem like that's for every, every black well, person in no, church. No, no, But, no. but, you know, it, in a, in a lot of cases, you know. It happens. Yes. Yeah. I just have a few more questions and we're going to yeah. wrap it up. I mean, time flies. It really does. Yes. Um, in the book, you talked about, um, I repent to thinking differently. And I really like that. Can you elaborate on that? Tell me more. What did I say? I um, thinking differently. Just thinking differently about Christianity. Like you, uh, I think it was uh, some things that people, I think in Christianity, uh, just spirit of rejection or, you know, just these, I think just self-loathing things that we tell ourselves yes and so and repenting and all this other things that we oh I think Christians I do and how you just mentioned that the one thing I do repent is just hey thinking differently yeah I guess I I guess what I, I might have been writing and I have an entry called I repent I don't remember what it was about yeah. um <laughs> I'd have, to, I'd have to read it. Yeah. Sometimes I flip through the book and, and look at the pages and go, did I write this? Like, it was. That was the powerful. <laughs> Is that what that's what it was? I repent. Yeah. That's, uh, that's, called, that's called divine inspiration. <laughs> right, right. What what does it say? Can you tell me what it um, said? I, I don't know which page number, but I wrote it down because you talked about um just how people were accustomed to wanting repent repent their sins and everything and you were just in the it was you came back to that journal entry and you were just like I'm the only thing I'm really gonna say that I'm gonna repent about is is thinking differently like Mm -hmm. that um I will never cease in exchanging my perspective of self for the me that God knew yes Lord I repent Therein lies the reason for this particular position of repentance at this point in my relationship with God. And by repentance, I mean to think differently. Yes. Before thinking, then thinking differently, Christianity limited my experience of God. And so I guess what I'm saying is, is I repent for not thinking or yeah, that's what I'm saying. Yeah. Um, I, I was, you know, we weren't allowed to, to use our intellect. Mm. You know, he, we, we just talked about that, you know, a lot of, a lot of, you know, the intellectual part of us has had, has been still, we're still getting it back as black people. So, you know, in, in church, you, you there's no, there's no thinking in, in Christianity, in, in black Christian church, you just take what you've been told. Mm. Um, there's intellectual um, the use of your intellect is not very welcoming. 
Mm-hmm. And so if I repent of anything, it's for not thinking, it's for denying myself uh, the, the gift of uh, using that intellectual muscle. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, and that's I, what I'm, I took from that. I'm going to keep using it. You know, I just had a conversation with my mentor. I told her, I said, you know, we, we don't, we just don't think here it is. Um, John's revelation. He says, and I write about this. He says that Jesus, sorry. He says there was a lamb that was slain before the world was founded or created. Christianity says that that lamb is Jesus. So if Adam and Eve ate of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, why would God be offended? Why, why, he shouldn't have been surprised. Jesus was slain for their disobedience, right? <laughs> so as the story things, goes, that's how, as the story goes. So, so things according to the narrative went as planned. Why would God be offended? Let's use our brains. And again, that goes back to the word sin was never used. Moses didn't write that. Never mind the fact that he was not there. But if you want to use it, let's use it. Moses didn't use the word sin as it related to their disobedience. In offense, a choice to be offended. Is that not a choice? Yeah. Okay. Mm. So, so, you know, we're, we're saying that God was offended and that Jesus came to fix the offense. Yeah. But that, but why would God be offended if this was the plan all along? <laughs> yeah. Seems like to me, God would have been happy. They ate of the tree like I thought they would. Now yeah. let me come, let me become man in the form of Jesus, take on the offense of the world and then rescue it mm-hmm. intellectual that's a part of that's a part of who i am my intellect the ability to think it's it's a part of who i am and i'm 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 i, I repent for not using it <laughs> yeah i want to talk about in jesus name mm. that's a good one yeah <laughs> Um, and Russell, I think you and I kind of talked a little bit about how, I don't know, I don't know if in Christianity, it's just enough to say that blah, 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 in Jesus name. Mm-hmm. And then that's all I have to do. I don't have to put, you know, action behind what I'm trying to, to create or anything like that. So can you elaborate on in Jesus name? From the book perspective, I was somewhere driving. I was here in Columbus driving somewhere. And I don't know. I don't know where the question came from or why. I know I was probably having a conversation with God, but I just had the question, why do I have to keep, (laughs) why do I have to keep coming to you Mm -hmm. in the name of someone else? And I think it came out of the experience or accepting that I am an expression of the image and likeness of God. I came to believe that. I had an experience that made me feel more and more like that. And so 
if I am, why it, you know, I, I've, I've used this example before. Why do I have to go through my sister to request something of my mother? Yeah. I am my mother. You know, how long do I have to do that? And I talk about in the book, me being a triathlete and having friends who want to become triathletes. And I have to teach them about where to get, you know, um, items and um, purchases and uh, uh, how to get their bikes ready and where to take them to get them ready. And so I, I refer them to where I've gone. I refer them to the place I have built a relationship with. I want them to go and experience the same, have the same experience or really um, to reap of my relationship, reap the benefits of the relationship I've already built, right? Mm -hmm. But after a while, as they keep going, they don't need my name no more. Now they have their own relationship. They should have built their own relationship. And I, I specifically said in Jesus name, because I feel like it keeps us separated. It keeps us separated from the God within us or our, our own image of the creator within us. Yes. Like it's true. Why do I have to keep going in Jesus name? Right. Why do I have to keep going in Shandrika's name or Russell's right, name? Right. I'm Janie. This, right. this is my name. Right. So I'm going as how, who I am. <clears throat> right. So look, looking at it historically, and this is Russell's point of view, mm-hmm. it looks like like when like everything was in Egypt. Like if you you read the Bible, right? So the number one nation, the the most mentioned nation in scripture is Egypt. Mm-hmm. Because that was like the learning center, like for math, science, religion, everything was in Egypt. So you know, there, there was nothing really happening in Greece until they went to Egypt, nothing happened in Rome until they went to Egypt. So <laughs> I lost my train of thought again. I'm, all, I'm always trying to like bring it home and go too deep, right? But gosh, what was I trying to say? What were we saying just now? In okay, Jesus name. But, right, right. And, and I'll get, I'll jump forward and then I'll come back. So we were mentioning Jesus and Great leaders don't create followers. Great leaders create other leaders. Right. I wouldn't think that that's what Jesus wanted. I don't think he was creating followers. I read something somewhere before it said that prophets uh, speak the word of uh, speak the word of God or speak the heart of God, and the followers create religion. So, and going back to this is what I was thinking about earlier was looking at how everything came out of Egypt and once the Greco-Roman period came after they conquered Egypt, it almost seemed as if to me is if the Jesus story, putting Jesus almost in front of God or saying Jesus was God divine, it gave the Roman Catholic church power because it was almost like you have to come through the Roman Catholic church because everything runs through Jesus now. And we, control jesus Mm. you see what i'm saying and it's almost to me it's almost like this supremacist thing right so when europeans conquered the world all of a sudden their ice was colder the tea was hotter all that other stuff and they did the same thing with the religion this is the only right religion in the world everybody else is wrong so if you're buddhist muslim hindu taoist 
everything else, you're all going to hell. Mm-hmm. And that's to me what they did is like, okay, we got religious supremacy now and we control Jesus. We come back 300 and something years, it took them 300 years to figure it out, 325 years to figure out that he was God. <laughs> that part also doesn't make any sense to me. So that that's my thought on it. I think that some stuff, you know, you got a lot of people feel that it's an unfollowable word that it hadn't been tampered with, but everybody agreed books were omitted. You know, early Christian church believed in reincarnation. Nine ecumenical councils go by. This gets added. Hell gets added. Reincarnation gets deleted. It's like all these things happen every so many hundreds of years. Mm-hmm. Something gets added or deleted. So that's that's my spill on it. I think that it was part of a control thing. Okay, Shandrika, what do you currently do? Do you have you stopped going to church? What what is that looking like with you I'm right now? I'm not a member of a church. Um, every now and then I go. I'm still I'm still uh, you know very much black. <laughs> I am uh, I am a musician. Uh, I am a singer, and so I still love our music. Um, I am very protective though of my spiritual space. So, um, I take very serious what gospel music I listen to. Um, it's not a lot left to listen to, not for me. Um, prayer is a very major thing for me. I still, I'm a woman of prayer. Um, and I have some friends who are in Alabama, have a church in Alabama and, uh, they have prayer every other Saturday. And sometimes I try to go. Okay. Um, but my prayer life, you know, as y'all know, it's just, it's a life. Mm-hmm. It, it never, it's never ending. Mm-hmm. So that, that's, that's pretty much it. I love um, hiking. I cycle. I swim. I love the outdoors. Yeah, I love gathering um, Black women um, to, to hang out. I have a uh, an opportunity called Bikes and Breakfast, where we get together and ride our bikes and go eat breakfast, just all Black women. Um, and I create hiking opportunities for Black women as well. So those are my, um, just two of my opportunities to fellowship. Mm-hmm. That's good stuff. Yeah. And tonight, what would you say is the greatest matter of your heart? Ooh, that's a great question. Ooh, it's heavy. Let's see the greatest matter of my heart. Really? I said something the other day that I'm I'm sticking with. You know, we Christianity is taught to win souls to Christ. So if I if I have to win souls, because I that don't really make sense to me, but if I have to, is to love. Mm-hmm. Just to win people to love. Mm-hmm. You know, to 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 introduce all of us to each other and 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 you know somehow paint the picture that we're all trying to figure out our uh spiritual selves and it manifests in these religious ways mm-hmm. and and if if we're all trying to do that that's where that's where unity is you know the unifying uh reality is that we all have questions that's if true we, if we could all admit that we we don't got to keep praying for unity. 
<laughs> that is so true. You and know, I think as long as you're here on the, on this side of heaven, you, we're all here to keep learning about it. Right. Right. Learning trying about it. Figure it out. Trying yeah. to figure it out. I don't know if hell is real. I don't know if heaven is real. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. I yeah. have no idea. I, what I what I can share is what I'm experiencing in this moment, what I've experienced in this life. A lady asked me a few weeks ago, what is your doctrine? I said, I don't have one. And she said, uh, I was out signing a book, doing book signing. I said, I don't, I don't have one. And she said, so what do you just make it up? I said, life experience is teaching me. Wow. Experience is teaching me. And again, it's up to me to interpret that experience. It's personal. Yeah. I love it. I love it. I'm just, I'm just so um, grateful to have had this conversation with you. Uh, We've been wanting definitely to dig into some of this stuff and it's great to have somebody that has been um, just so much into Christianity, just with your, your, um, your history of in the ministry. So it's been great. So tell everybody how they can get your book. It is on Amazon. Barnes and Noble, uh, Books a Million. If you want to support Black businesses, it's on bookmecca.com as well. Um, yeah, that's where it is. You can go to my website and click on the picture of the book. It'll take you to Amazon, I think. So, so yeah, that's that's where it is. Yeah, definitely grab it, especially if you are just getting on a spiritual journey. If you're starting to awaken to who you really are, or even if you have questions, like I love the way Chandrika's book was put together. She was just questioning, and this was a lot of journal entries, and she took us on her her journey, and I think it's great. So if you're if you're waking up, is what we call it. You know, um, you're never alone on this journey. You're yeah. never alone. That's one thing I definitely want to say you're never alone um ask for help you know your spirit guides your angels your ancestors there's people out there that's rooting for you so you you always have a community and people you can connect to on this journey and don't Um, don't don't be afraid to I want to say this and don't be afraid to ask questions I want us to change the tone because in in you know in black culture questioning and anything coming after that is disrespect. So I write in my book, I'm not questioning God. Well, I am asking exactly. God questions. Yeah. Exactly. There you go. Yeah. Yeah. That's a different like tone. That. Yeah. Like that. different tone. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Russell, did you have anything else you wanted to say? No, she just summed it up beautifully with that. But once again, I commend you on your bravery. Amazing book. Uh, we wish you the best. And if you write another book or have something else you'd like to say, definitely come back to visit us. Yes, sir. Thank you so much. All right, guys. So this was another episode of Matters of the Heart and Soul podcast. This podcast is inspired by love, God, relationships, spirituality, justice, culture, family, children, finances, freedom, personal growth energy and vibrations, universal principles, health, education, masculine and feminine energy, music, and all things of the heart and soul. Our mission is to reconnect our hearts with our minds. We appreciate you guys. Make sure you reach out to Shandrika, get plugged in with her and check out her book. And uh, we'll catch you guys at the next episode. Take care.